Other horn is going. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a surplus they play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a balance. I don't give a shit who we're playing. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, this game was, uh, I don't know, a little closer than expected in even, you know, the stat lines, but uh, never really felt in jeopardy, did it? It did not feel in jeopardy, um, but you could sense that, you know, these are two programs that are far closer together uh, just due to the talent that these programs have typically. You know, this was the first opponent that Alabama has faced this year that that I think was able to really physically match up to them. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we kind of knew that going in. And, you know, I think back to the, you know, Florida State, I think we said, well, that's the toughest defense we'll, we'll face until, you know, LSU. And, and, you know, kind of here we are. And <clears throat> funny how predictions like that or our thoughts like that, you know, kind of, you know, bear themselves out. A couple of takeaways that I had on, on offense, I'm just going to jump right in, is that on one hand, we did what we do. It was a balanced approach. Uh, we distributed the ball, you know, seven receivers, one, one tight end, and, you know, for a touchdown and, and one running back. On the other hand, and, and, and let me finish that thought. It was distributed much like we have kind of been doing, but it was dialed down, like the volume was turned down, and I attribute that to the strength of the LSU defense. But on the other hand, it felt like we played with a tighter bench, a shorter bench. We saw a lot more, and this is a point you made, you know, recently about the three freshman receivers versus, you know, some of the vets. We played a lot more Calvin Ridley, uh, Sims, and uh, Robert Foster. He even had two catches. And then we really limited the bench on the running back. I think uh, Josh Jacobs had one run, and I didn't see Najee at all. And then Robinson played only on the kneel down at the end of the game. And so we just seemed like we tried to do the same kind of stuff, but with a smaller profile of people. I thought that was a weird sort of juxtaposition. Well, that just speaks to it's a bigger game on the line, right? And just, you know, you're gonna you're gonna start with your your more experienced guys. And I think if the game had if if we had built a bigger lead, I think you would have seen some of these other guys that we've been accustomed to seeing for the past few weeks. But just because this was, you know, a two-touchdown game throughout, I think that limited, you know, that that limited guys like Tua and Najee, you know, see in the field. Tua, I can I, – I hear what you're saying on Tua. <clears throat> Najee's the one that's interesting to me, and, and I'll throw this at you this way and tell me what you think. We seemed – and I'll say so, Saban, right? I think Saban sometimes has a fetish for – the big running backs. And it seemed that he was trying to force Bo on, you know, onto LSU. It's almost like he had visions of, and, and he probably has, he probably, you know, some kids have, you know, visions of, of sugar plums dancing in their heads. I think Coach, Coach Saban has visions of, you know, Derrick Henry, you know, dancing in his head and carrying the ball, you know, 40 times against LSU a few times, uh, a, a few years ago. And so I think he just had visions of not 40 carries. That's that's ridiculous. 
but giving it to the big back and letting the big back just wear down the opposing defense. And Bo, and we've talked about Bo, he's not he's not always as physical as as you maybe think he he would be or should be. And so that just leads me to believe why would you not go with Najee? Because he has been running very angry and very physically and he's a big guy too. It just seemed like if this big back's not going to do it, then this other big back will. That's that's kind of where my head is on, especially on Najee. You know, I can I can see your I can see your take on Najee just because of the you know the physical presence that he brings running the ball. Um, you know, I'm going to surprise you a little bit when when I say that Saban should have gone with his sugar plums dancing in his head a little more. I, I think that I think this game could have been very different early. Um, to Alabama's favor, if if we would have gone to the run more, and right. and and what I mean by that is is you know if you look at this drive sheet, you know Damian Harris first play of the game gets five yards. Well, if it wasn't for a blown assignment on the second and five, you know for Jalen to get uh, sacked, yep. you know it now sets up a third and fifteen, right? Well, Robert Foster doesn't run his route past the first down line, which he should have done. It would have been a first down. Yep. The very next drive, David, Bo Scarborough on his three carries, he lost yards on the first carry, but then he ran for four yards on the next play, and then two plays later, uh, he ran for four yards, and then the next run, he runs for ten yards for you know a first down. And so, quite frankly, of the four first carries of the night, three from Bo and one from Damian, we were averaging four plus yards on three of those four carries. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's very bad stats. No, and I don't so, think so at all. And, I mean, I, so, think and, that, I, I think that I think I look, I think that we I think we wanted to pass the ball more. I think we wanted to we knew that LSU was going to kind of stack up and they did. And we wanted to pass the ball more. I think we wanted to, you know, get half of it on first down, pass on second down, and then be able to run on third down. That's what I – I think that's sort of the formula, and that, that's probably too formulaic, but I think that's really kind of what we were going after is we wanted to try to beat some of their man-to-man. And we had, you know, decent success with it. But they did load up, and they came after uh, Jalen. And I think and, – and a little bit of this is development. You know, he wanted to stay in the pocket. And, uh, you know, a couple times – and it's all just, you know, sort of growing pains. But, you know, a couple times he could have thrown it away. A couple of times he should have bailed on the, on the play and ran. And a couple of times he took big sacks. Um, I don't know. But I agree with you. I think if – there's a little bit to having a plan and sticking with it. And there's a little bit to, hey, <laughs> we're averaging five yards of carry on first down. Maybe Maybe let's take a series or two and maybe experiment with that a little bit more. I just wish we would have explored more with with the running game because on the third drive, first and 10 from the nine, Damian gets eight yards on first down. Second down, he runs for three, so he gets a first down on two carries. And then the next thing you know, we drop back to pass three times in a row on the, you know, after we've gotten a first and 10. So I, when you look back at the stat sheet, okay, you see Jalen Hurts ran 14 times. You see, Bo carried at eleven, and Damian carried at nine. Yep. And so I would say that for Bo and Damian to combine for twenty carries, and Jalen had fourteen, those numbers just don't work for me. 
Yeah, I, I they just would have liked the, to see into the Tommy danger zone, right? Well, well, what I mean by that is in this game, because of the success that a Derrick Henry had, I think that if the final stat sheet showed Bo Scarborough with 20 carries, uh, or excuse me, Bo and Damian combined 30 carries in this football game. I think this game would have been a wider margin of victory. I think this would have been a 38 to 10 type of ball game. Yeah, I think if we had done that, we certainly, you know, they had the time of possession uh, differential on us. Uh, we sort of leveled it out in the second half, but going into half, <clears throat> you know, they almost had two to one on us. And I liked the fact that we had points, but I was a little bit, you know, are we going to wear down, especially we'll talk about defense, some of the attrition that we're experiencing. And I thought, man, I don't see them because we had 14 at half. And I was like, I don't see them scoring 14 points on us. At the same time, I can – and I don't see us not scoring. But at the same time, I can connect some dots here where, I, I, you know, they could battle back. And like I said, I liked our lead, but I could, I could paint a picture where, I, you know, you could play from their hand too, right? Sure, but but you know Saban said afterwards talked about how much they played eight guys in the box and how they were forcing you know Jalen to to throw the ball and and beat the man to man coverage. But you know, I, I guess I'm saying I think we had a pretty decent amount of success when they had eight guys in the box, which is which I, I, I see it as more of a positive than a. I, I guess what I'm saying is is I, I think the running game was going better than they thought it was, and I think they abandoned abandoned it too early. I'll say it that way. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think what's what's interesting and um you know and it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a function of the opponents we have coming up, right? But we might see teams try to stack the box against us and they may not be as athletic as um, you know as LSU is and and so maybe that's something Mississippi State, you know, and we'll talk about them in a little bit too, but you know, maybe that's something, you know, they'll do. Now, you know, Auburn, I think, has a stout front, and Georgia, you know, they're going to be another animal too. And so some of these teams may try to do this tactic, and they may have the horses to, you know, let's say pull it off, but uh, not everyone will in Mississippi State, and, you know, depending upon how some of the other matchups go, um, we may face teams that, that don't have the horses to pull it off, but they may try. And, you know, that'll be dispiriting for someone if – if we can maintain success running against an eight-man front, and boy, does that do for play-action pass? So I don't know. We may see some of that this coming weekend. I would, I would imagine. No, absolutely. Well, I am gonna, I am gonna surprise you with this comment. Um, I think in his in his continued development, okay, and 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 he he still has room to improve. Um, I think this was Jalen's best game as an Alabama quarterback for Jalen. Um, his stat sheet does not show it. And you look at the stat sheet, you look at the quarterback rating and all that, blah, blah, blah. But he is making improvements of trying to go through his progressions. He's trying to sit there. I mean, like when I saw the stat sheet afterwards that he had 14 carries, it surprised me mm -hmm. because there were several times that, you know, you know, early in the game that play to Robert Foster, you know, that should have been a first down. That was a third and 15. The very next drive, he completed a big third and eleven. Those are in the first half. Those aren't counting, you know, the the big play he made in the in the second half. Um, his his ability to extend the play and sit back in the pocket, 
you can you know we talked about this last week he is making either either he's being coached up or or he's doing it or it's a combination of the two which you know is possible you can see that he is sitting in that pocket for a longer period of time and i'm okay with that because that's what's going to help him get that's what's going to help him get better as a quarterback i think tua is <clears throat> you can color this however you want to i think Tua is helping him get better well, that's true too. Um, but I, I definitely think that that I see a conscious effort on his part of trying to be more of a pocket passer. Yes. No, and, I agree. And I agree. And I like the fact that he still has, you know, this capability and and the athleticism to make a make a play with his legs. And he did that, you know, a couple of times on Saturday, you know, the touchdown that he ran and and he had a couple other runs. That, that were called runs, and you think about he's had a pattern in the last, you know, call it several weeks, of fewer and fewer called runs. And so I like the fact, and we've kind of talked about this too, that he may sort of unleash his athleticism, you know, sort of here and there, uh, and still be as proficient as ever at it. And so it was fun to get to see some of that. I like that he ran for first downs uh, a couple of times. And the 14, was it 14 or 16 carries, the, the number of carries – that's going to include the times that he was sacked. And so that is a little bit of a misnomer, you know, because those were not like call them pure runs. Those were him truly staying in the pocket and, you know, getting sacked. But no, that's, no, that's true. And, you know, going back to Bo and Damien real quick, I just want to say that I don't think they had enough carries to get lathered up to really yeah. get into the flow of the game. And I think our offensive line, uh, I think their strength is the running game. And I think you just didn't give the I didn't I don't think you gave our horses on the offensive line enough opportunities to make plays. And they had to instead, um, you know, because they didn't have the ball a lot, right? And so in because of all the three and outs, they 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 ended up having to spend a lot of time pass blocking, and that's just not their strength. And the LSU defensive front gave more athleticism than than they've been playing against probably since Florida State, mm-hmm. and so I just don't think that that made it a good matchup for us. You know, from that standpoint, I'm not saying they did bad. I guess I'm saying I think the offensive line did better than I'm hearing some people felt like they did, mm-hmm. uh, just due to the circumstances. No, I think you're right. I think that uh, I I think I think that is the strength of the line, and I think if if we had run the ball. Um, if we had run the ball more, then I think that would have helped the line establish themselves. And, and I think that would have helped the time of possession, which is going to help the defense over the, over the course of the game. And there's, there's a point at which, because you have to think that, that we're monitoring this, right? What, you know, almost on a minute by minute, you know, what's the time of possession metric? What's our run pass sort of distribution balancing that against the game plan, balancing that against what do we see working and not working, all of sort of this calculus that you would think that would go into into play calling. <clears throat> and I think that I would think – I mean, I was sitting in the stands doing this. I don't know what they're doing, in, you know, on, on the sidelines necessarily. But at some point I, was, I started thinking we need to run the ball here for the sake of running the ball. We need to run the ball here and maybe let the clock, go, you know, sort of wind down. And even if we have a three and out, this have a long three and out, right? Where we take the play clock down, 
you know, inside of five seconds every time. And we're doing that as much to establish the run as we are to keep the defense off the field. I think I I would have intentionally said we're going to run the ball three times here and we're not and we're going to get the ball and we're going to snap the ball inside of five seconds. I don't care if we get a first down or not. I think right. I would have taken a possession and said, look, here's what we're doing. Well, you know, we even, you know, even only having the ball for under 26 minutes, I mean, you and I 10 years ago would have gladly taken an Alabama LSU game that if we had the ball 26 minutes, we still scored 24 points. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a lot of points for only having the ball for 26 minutes. Oh, it really, really is. It's <laughs> yeah. a team like this. Yeah. So, we're, so we're, 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 we're spoiled right and talking about it like this, aren't we? I mean, no, I'm just saying that to your point, had they gotten a little more time of possession and gotten it more like 34 minutes for them and 26 minutes for LSU, this would have had the score that we expected the final score to be. Right. It just didn't it just didn't work out that way for you know for for that reason. Hey, I wanna I wanna or because of the time of possession didn't go the way we, we expected it to go. You know, I wanna I wanna quickly just point out a couple things. Uh, I wanna uh, I wanna point out uh just the the intentional uh design of the scheme under this offensive coordinator to get the tight end involved. Yes. And when Herb Smith caught his touchdown. I said, oh, my gosh, if this guy would have been here when O.J. Howard was here, O.J. Howard would have, like, won the Heisman. Of course, he wouldn't have won the Heisman. I'm being sarcastic. I'm with you. But, but look what O.J. Howard could have been Yeah, with a coach like this who comes from the Patriots system where they utilize a two-tight end for, you know, two-tight end set. Um, just, I just really wish this guy could have coached O.J. Howard. Yeah, I hear you. I I. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I mean, look what this guy, look what Irv Smith is doing, right? And he he's not he's not OJ Howard. And look what he's and look what's you know, look what he's getting to do. I mean, he got a touchdown in this game. Mm-hmm. OJ Howard only got touchdowns when we played in national championship games. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Are you kidding me? No, that so, is uh no, that's absolutely true. I think that um, you know, and and Irv didn't get into the action until you know maybe midseason and has has really you know made some strides in the, in the last few weeks with with his play and 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 catching the ball got a got him a couple of touchdowns now i expect that we're going to see his role continue to emerge and yeah i think that uh i you know i think he's going to walk out of here uh, walk out of here with some pretty impressive numbers when his career is over no, this is true. A couple more things I want to mention. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Josh Jacobs yes. incorporated into the passing game a little bit. Yes. Um, I, I, I think we, we, we missed there by, by not doing that. I would have liked to have seen us call some more screens in this game. Yep. Okay. If we're going to pass the ball more and, and they're going to pin their ears back and, and they're going to, you know, have the kind of pressure that they do from the Arden Keys of the world. Then I would have liked to have seen some screens called. I know we tried to do a couple, but I, I, I would have, I would have maybe done some misdirection and would have done some screens. Um, I want to talk about just Ruggs's catch. Uh, you know, it was just funny that you know all this talk has been. You've had five catches and five touchdowns, and it was kind of funny. The poor guy has to you know come back to earth and realize that you can catch a ball and, and not score a touchdown. Yep. Uh, even though. Even though I think had had Jalen kind of put the ball out there a little bit, I think he probably would have scored on that on that on that catch. 
But probably uh, would have, right? It's it's hard to, it's hard for him to be mad at a forty plus yard pass, though, right? No, no. But he, <laughs> to his credit, uh, for a freshman, showed a lot of presence in yes. the way he came down with the ball. Yes. So that he wouldn't drop the ball. A lot of players would have, you know, the the ground would have caused that ball to to jar out. Yeah, he's got a lot of sort of innate ability, doesn't he? I think he's going to be a fun one to see develop. I just I, he has a lot of football IQ. It yes. appears. Um, what else? Uh, what else jumped out at you on the offensive side of the ball? You know, you mentioned Josh Jacobs. I would have liked to have seen him, like you said, incorporated in the passing game. We've seen some some unique wrinkles with him. Uh, you know, he had one carry and ran up the middle. I didn't like that. You know, let's toss sweep him outside. You know, do something to try to put him in space because that's where his magic happens. And I know that's what you're thinking. And you know, in the passing game, um, you know, I thought Cam Sims had had a really nice catch. I thought it was going to be intercepted. And even looking back, you know, they showed the replay on the jumbotron. Even looking back at the replay, I was like, I still I'm not sure how that was not intercepted because that 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 safety was just streaking across, and it was a small window anyways. And the window like literally was closing with that safety coming through. Um, I thought that was a nice pitch and catch. And sometimes if you, even if you throw it in there, that can be distracting to the receiver because they may be expecting it to to not get there. Uh, so I thought that was a nice play on both sides. Um, you know that was fun to see. And I'm just going to double down. I wish we I wish we would have seen some. I, and I I agree. We should have seen more carries for you know for Bo and Damian. I would have liked to have seen us uh, try to work uh, a possession with uh, with Najee in there. I, I think that uh, I, I I don't like, and we see Saban do this, and we understand why he does it, but I don't always like the way that he shrinks the bench because there are some guys you shrink the bench to to ensure they don't have an opportunity because you know you don't want them in that in those pressure situations. I don't think Najee's that guy. I think you put him out there, uh, and and you let him, you let him sort of demonstrate what he can do. I mean, T.J. Yeldon as a true freshman, you know, won the game, right? And so he's not afraid to play freshman in those games. We had three freshman receivers, you know, two of them had had big catches. Um, I, I just kind of double down. I would have liked to have seen him in there because I think he runs. He he's not as big as Bo, but he is a big back, and he runs. I think he runs sort of more belligerent and more physical than uh, than what we than what you typically see out of Bo. No, I'll give you that. Um, I I, I want to go back to that third down play on on the catch by Cam Sims. Yeah, and I just want to mention that you know as you watch the replay, and I went back and you know reran that play several times. There was three or four. I think there was four guys total. Uh, near the ball, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say like, I don't want to say he threaded a needle. Uh, it, it's not that type of um, description. It is not the right type of description. But you know, he he did hit. He did put that in a in a small window. Yes, I mean, that was a that was a quarterback play. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that that wasn't a running quarterback throw. That was a passing quarterback throw. Yes. to make that throw. Yes. Is the best way I want to say that. No, I like that. And I like so that was that was big for his confidence, I think. Yep. And and that was big for the coaches to to give him the opportunity to try to, you know, maybe sometimes they don't allow him right to throw into certain coverages. 
And I'm not saying I want him to say, hey, I'm a by Brett Favre and I can put it here and there and there. But, you know, maybe maybe he will get the opportunity to do some of that more because that was a big third down play, you know, that put him at the 25-yard line that led to a big touchdown that at the time we scored that touchdown and made it 21 points, I expected us to score a lot more. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I, I didn't yeah. think we were only going to store three more points the rest of the game. So, no, and, and I, I, I am with you. That was a quarterback's throw. Uh, I think that's the right way to say it. And, uh, you know, not just to repeat everything you said, I don't want him to go out and, you know, become a Brett Favre-type gun, gunslinger either. However, I like the fact that he that, that gives him more confidence and and that he that he may challenge himself in in ways that he has not historically challenged himself. And not all of that is to say go out there and take big risks. Sometimes it's just throw to the open guy that you're not looking at. Um, you know, feel the confidence to stand in the pocket that one more heartbeat and and look to that third receiver and then let her rip. Because uh, we don't always see that, and if he'll do that, and it sounds easy, right? But if, but and it's not. But if he'll do that, I think his game can really just can really sort of bump to another level because there are a number of times when that second guy's open, that third guy's open, um, and if that and if these types of plays give him the confidence. To, to do that, then that'll be fun to watch him, you know, take that next step. No, absolutely, man. Well, give me give me your mini game ball. Who are you going to give it to me on offense? Man, I, I had a moment during the game. Um, I had a number of these last year, and, and we would even in the stands talk about it. Like, that's my mini game ball. Um, I haven't had that in a while, and it happened on Saturday. And so I just got really excited because I've had my mini game ball guy, you know, identified – you know, since 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 the play happened, and so I'm going Jerry Judy. And as soon as you hear the name, you know you know where where I'm going. But he dropped a uh, on second down. He dropped a pass that would have gone for a first down. Hit him on the hands. It, you know, it was you know it was as good as you can get. Right? You can probably you know every pass can be a little bit better, but come on, you got to catch him. And so that's one that he absolutely should have caught, and he didn't. And we've talked about him being a guy that we think's emerging, had some leadership uh, qualities that, you know, that we see from the stands, right? And so on the next play, he, uh, uh, you know, Jalen was going to pass, you know, there's pretty good coverage. And so he was forced to run and and did not look like he was going to make it. But one of the blocks that sprung him at the very end of the run was none other than Jerry Judy coming back and, and laying someone out to help uh, Jalen get the the first down, and so I like the fact that he acquitted himself on the drop on the very next play. It didn't take him a series. It didn't get in his head. He didn't, you know, some of the things that we've talked about other guys doing. Next play, he lined up, forgot it, and uh, and made a big play uh, to help us get the first down. And oh, coincidentally, that was a scoring drive. It was the field goal, and I know we like touchdowns, but that was a field goal that you know extended the game extended you know the the score and um you know i i thought at that point was in the game i thought was already out of reach they weren't going to score that many points but you get that another you get that other score up there you make it you know another possession you know type game um i think that's i think that was sort of what the doctor ordered 
And I think Jerry Judy, uh, I, I give him a lot of credit for his role in, in that. Well, on that play, he did a good job of actually turning his body to the side. And so, you know, there was no chance he was going to get called for targeting. Right. The way he, the way he, the way he performed that, that uh, crackback block, uh, it was still very um, uh, effective, uh, but there was no way it was going to be reviewed. Right. So and also, your, there's your football IQ there too, right? Yeah, that showed a little bit about, you know, the presence of mind of, of how he did that. Yep. Well, I'm going to give it to Ruggs. Um, I, yep. I wanted to give it to – I could have done Irv Smith as well for the yep. reasons we've mentioned. Um, I'm just mentioning Ruggs for the same reasons we've already mentioned. Uh, two young players new to this offense. You know, Ruggs obviously, you know, for different reasons because he's a true freshman. But both of these guys – uh, are getting chances to make plays in offenses that you would have expected with all the names coming back. You wouldn't have heard an Irv Smith Jr. with two touchdowns or, or Ruggs with five touchdowns. Are you kidding me? And so both of them made big plays in this game. I mean, they accounted for they accounted for uh, 30% of the yards in yep. this game. I mean, you look back at this, these two guys accounted for, uh, what, 85 yards uh, of uh, – you know, of, of the 183 yards total. So uh, just both of those guys, you know, just want to kind of give a shout out to for, for the reasons we've mentioned. No, that's awesome. We'll switch the field on us and uh, talk to us about defense. You know, um, I was surprised when I, I was, you talk about the shortening of the bench um, and, and how he did that. But I, I am surprised at what players did get a lot of, a lot of playing time. And I, I know I was we'll, gonna say as soon as you said shortening the bench, I was gonna <laughs> that that theory doesn't hold up on defense, does it? No, it doesn't. And 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 we and we should talk about the injuries, and we yeah. absolutely will here in just a second. But yeah. you know, just to finish that thought, you know, you look at the stat sheet, and you look at a name like Kenan Williams, and you look at the fact that he finished with you know eight tackles on the game, uh, with a sack and two tackles for a loss. He got a lot of good minutes in this game. And uh, I was surprised at how much he played. He got some of them early. I was surprised at how early he was in there. I was like, oh, 92's in already. Uh, very early in the game he was in. And and, and 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 even with hand back, are you surprised? I mean, wh why do you think he was in so early? Well, I, I, th I don't know. I think that we knew that it was going to be a hard physical game. I think that we knew that we, we were going to rotate our folks – I think that we wanted to play hand, but I think we wanted to have him on something of a pitch count, and uh, and I think Quinnen has come on. We've seen, you know, we've this is not the first show we've mentioned him, right? We have been mentioning him, and um, I think he continues to get better and better. And he, you know, they had to buy, and I, I bet you he put in two really good weeks of work and earned himself uh, earned himself a. a an elevated place in the rotation, and he took advantage of it on Saturday. Well, see, that's why I wanted to mention it, because you always talk about winning the bye week. He must have got the mini game ball for the bye week. There you, there you go, right? Right. I mean, he must have won the bye week. I like that. Because he just came out so early. I was I was shocked. I like had to do a double take and make sure that was the number I saw. Yep. Um, so that surprised me. Um, well, you know, obviously um, it was not good. Uh, some of the injuries that happened very quickly in a, in a short period of time in the ball game. 
let's let's talk about Sean Dion Hamilton first. Yep. Uh, obviously, the biggest blow to this defense. You know, we've talked about how we were surprised how how he's been able to come back as soon as he has and being as effective as he has. And um, you know, this guy was a semifinalist for the Butkus Award. Yep. And so obviously, was you know was putting together a really good season, and uh, I think we're really going to miss his presence on the inside. We're going to miss him. There's no doubt about it. And we're going to miss him in ways that that most people will not even think about. Yes, yes. I was going to say your average average fan wouldn't think about because you know because he does a couple of things, right? He's he is he is a quality player. Let's start with that. He absolutely is a quality player. And so you know, in a lot of regards, it sort of starts and stops there. But with with Sean D and Hamilton, there's there's a lot more to it. You know, he's a very heady player. I think that he helps the other players in the defensive huddle. I think he helps, you know, with the alignments. Uh, I think he adds, you know, organization and structure to the defense. And so he helps in intangible ways like that. And then and then there's just a reality of he is soaking up snaps. And so it's not it so in addition to just the quality he brings to his snaps and he plays a lot of snaps now someone else or multiple somebody else's have to soak those up and it just to me and it all kind of singles around the same thing this guy's not going to play but there's to me there's sort of three nuances of him not playing that make him especially tough to replace um and by no stretch is he our most talented linebacker, but I think that he brings more to the table in in the way of intangibles than some of our other linebackers. Well, I think I think because of you know the best way I can refer to Sean Dion Hamilton is him being a gym rat and yeah. and him understanding through film study, uh, diagnosing the play at you know pre snap and where the ball's going, and so. There are times this season on the goal line where he has gone in the backfield and met the running back and tackled him for a loss, you know, on a big goal line stand when the other linebackers were still sitting there in their position. Yep. He had already diagnosed the play, shot in between a guard and a you know, and, and the center and made a play in the backfield. Yeah, and and you know, and I remember as a freshman, he saw the field some as a freshman and and that was one of the things Saban, you know, used to say about him that he was a real heady player that he knew the playbook and 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 had you know sort of good football uh eye and you know I guess the word of the day is football IQ right he beats you with his football IQ as much or or maybe more than he does with his athleticism and and I will tell you this is nothing against the other players but it's kind of like you were talking about these other linebackers you know this is the theme of this season right all the all the linebackers that that have gone down yes well no offense to the other guys who have to step up now, but his loss was not more uh, glaring than on the big run that set up their one touchdown. Because had he been in there, I don't think half the defense would have been uh, on one, thinking it's one call and the other half thinking it's another call. And the two inside linebackers – were out of place, and I yeah. think he would have been where he was supposed to be, 
and it might have been a six-yard carry, but it wouldn't have been a fifty-four-yard carry. I think that's spot on, and I and and you know I, I like the, even the way that, that Saban talked about it, and I've heard Mark Schlereth, you know, former Bronco and Redskin, talk about this, you know, from offensive line play, that if everyone plays plays it the right way, then you you can get a good result. If everyone plays it the wrong way, but they play it the same wrong way you probably can get a, re- a good result there because at least you know everything's covered. But when half do one thing and half get another, that's where you have, you know, an opportunity, f- you know, for a big a big miss and a big, you know, breakdown. And that's exactly what happened on that play. And I think you're exactly on. Isn't that the exact per- personification of not having, you know, your heady football IQ middle linebacker in there? Yes, yes. And so I think that play – was a glaring example of what they're going to miss by him being by him yes. not being there. Yes, um, and and so guys guys are um, you know Saban didn't like in his press conference being asked about next man to to stand up because he was or next man up because he was like everybody should be ready to play. He he didn't like the analogy of you know it's the next guy next man up. He he's thinking everybody should be. You know, trying to improve their game on a constant basis, which I thought was interesting. Yep. But but right now, I don't know that we it's gonna put more on Rashawn Evans, who obviously got banged up in the game as well. Uh he even got taped up on the field. Yep. Thank goodness Rashawn Evans is there right now because I'm concerned that unlike outside linebacker where we had other edge guys who could do that rabbit rushing role, I, this is a big loss for them. This is not, this is not quite Eddie Jackson, but it's close. It is close. And, and there is a ripple effect, right? Because, and, and, and I like Rashawn Johnson, you know, I like, you know, Rashawn Evans as, as much as anybody, but we will send him on a lot of blitzes. Uh, and we can do that because we've got, you know, Sean uh, Deon Hamilton there, you know, SDH sort of staying home. Right. And so if he has to stay home in the middle, then we're not getting sort of that, the, the potential for the pressures and explosive plays that, that we're getting from Evans. And which so, is what, which is what Evans brought to this team last year before he had to step in for Sean Deon Hamilton when he got hurt. <clears throat> right. That's exactly right. And so we're going to need to we're we're and, and it's a good thing we're getting pressure from the D front, right? Because uh, it used to be everything had to be manufactured. Where at least the you know the defensive front is uh, is is getting some pressure and some sacks, and not like last year, but more than they were at the beginning of the year. But it's almost back to we're going to have to manufacture if we're if we're not going to be able to use Evans kind of like we've been using him, then we're going to have to manufacture some pressure. You know, Anthony Jennings is going to have to get on his horse. You know, you know, you know, Terrell Lewis, I mean, is he going to be able to come back? There were some reports that that those guys may may come back. And, you know, that becomes a decision of do I, do I medical redshirt or do I come back? And, you know, the competitor in them is going to want to come back, and I understand that too. Um, but, gosh, we may need them in a way that a week ago I was not expecting we would. Um, well, you also have you really need to. I mean, he's a, he's an athletic player, and we lost Mac Wilson too, and and Mac sort of been involved evolving into a more and more consistent player, and he was doing that sort of ahead of of and you know of course he was on the team last year, so he's ahead of the curve, but you know Dylan Moses, who's a, who's maybe a, a little more raw version of a Mac, 
he's going to have to he's going to have to grow up and, and mature and and you know and he has a capability and all of that stuff but we're going to need to see these guys step up in a way that that you know they necessarily ha- haven't had to no they haven't and 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 what's I, I think we're I think Mac Wilson is a big loss because obviously he had surgery yesterday you know he had surgery yesterday on his foot and they're saying four to six weeks but that could be generous yep you know that that could you know it could definitely take longer than that to you know from his surgery that he had um and so you know it puts a lot on Keith Holcomb you know to just transition to Keith for a second yep I keep, I think Keith had found a comfort level as to finding a starting role on the defense in the nickel third and long situation. Well, I'm just going to tell you, when he came in and he was in on that wildcat play where they had the big run, mm-hmm. that was a that was not third and ten. Keith Holcomb was having success coming in with his football IQ to be able to cover the middle of the field between the hashes on third and 10. It wasn't quite the same to be in on all three downs. Right. And so I think it's going to put more pressure on his game. I think his game was being allowed to slowly develop as a linebacker. And I think he was finding a role on this team in nickel formation. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but first and second down, he wasn't getting quite as many snaps. At, right when Sean and Rashawn came back, he was more of a third and long kind of guy. Well, now you're going to have to ask him to play first and second down, and you're going to have to ask a Dylan Moses to step in. You know, also uh, in practice today, you know, in the in the brief media period, they mentioned they mentioned Ben Davis, yep, and they mentioned that Ben Davis was no longer wearing a scout jersey. And that he was running with the outside linebackers. Well, maybe Ben's a guy that that gets brought back inside, you know, because that's you know that's where he played. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they do this because I think that I think that for both Rashawn Evans and Keith Holcomb, you know, let's be fair to Rashawn. Rashawn was not a starting middle linebacker last year. He right. was a situational guy who was very successful who got thrust into the starting role when Sean Deion Hamilton got hurt. And, oh, by the way, it's the semifinal game of the college football championship, right? So it's not like Rashawn's had a lot of starts inside linebacker under his belt. He's a really good player, but he hasn't, you know, started in there for three years like Sean, you know, Sean Deion Hamilton has. So, yeah, I completely agree. I, th- I think one of the things that um, – That's no knock on him, by the way. I'm just saying well, it, it's, a, it's it's apples and oranges kind of deal. No, it is. And, and you know, one thing that, uh, you know, then and maybe this pays some dividends for us a lot earlier than, than we were expecting, but, you know, early in the season and, you know, granted after Florida, split, Florida State we played, you know, Fresno and, and Colorado State. And so, you know, take that, you know, for what it's worth as well. But – but you know Keith had a couple of pretty good games in uh, you know in those time frames, and so it's not altogether you know and he was sort of thrust into a larger role, but you know it was a lesser opponent, and so hopefully it's not that that much of a stretch for him to get thrust back into a larger role. Just it'll be a higher level of of, uh, of opponent. No, absolutely. But if you look at the depth chart, you know two of the four inside guys had surgery yesterday. Yeah. So that only leaves two. 
right? And then yep. if you have a true freshman in Dylan Moses as their backup, right, then the, the fun question is, is who's the other guy? Who else? I mean, suddenly you suddenly you have no depth at the inside linebacker. The depth chart had five names on it. It now has three. Right. You've lost two of them. And so my question to you is, is who at a minimum they've got to scribble one name in there. So what other name gets gets brought back in inside? You know, I saw that uh, uh, Josh McMillan, Joshua McMillan, was practicing some on on the inside. You know, at some point. You, need you would bodies. think him more than you would think him more than Chris Allen, right? Yeah, I think him more than Chris Allen. I don't know that he's as I don't you know he's more of an old school middle linebacker, and so I don't know that he's as you know quick sideline to sideline. But you know, at some point you need bodies, and if you can use him situationally, then to sort of suck up some snaps, that can be okay too. Yeah, see, I, I I I was trying to decide it was it him or Mika Brown that 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 you brought inside because they're both similar frame type of guys. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, you may you may nod to the older guy as he's got more familiarity with just the system in general, but uh, yeah, you may give them both a shot and you know see who can stick. Well, what's also going to be interesting about this is I think another thing that could result from this is we go more to playing, you know, more of do do we do we go more to do we go more to a three linebacker look in base nickel and dime looks? There was do do we see going away from two inside linebackers some to compensate for this? Well, we may have to mix it up with personnel groupings as, as well. You know, earlier in the season, you know, to, uh, just another wrinkle, another uh, earlier in the season, we were given LeBron Ray some, some, you know, sort of experimenting with him in practice at a linebacker position. So maybe we can try to do something with him. And, you know, he's played some, some sort of defensive end. And so, you know, you split the difference between an outside linebacker that walks up, puts his hand in the dirt to, uh, you know, versus a defensive end you know, you can steal some snaps that way too. Well, let's talk about the Eddie Jackson uh, situation. So, so Sean Dion Hamilton was obviously huge. Uh, I think Mika would have been uh, cataclysmic, if that's the right word. Um, <laughs> he, he would have been Eddie Jackson uh, from last year times two maybe. Yeah. Uh, no offense to our boy Eddie, but um, yeah. we, we've talked about the value that Mika provides. And so um, – I, I'm happy to hear that they said that you know, you know we're going to sit him out a day and and quite frankly, David, I don't care if they sit him out for the next two weeks. Um, I don't know that we have to have him against Mississippi State and Mercer, uh, but we need him from there on out. Yeah, I think so. And and you know, on one hand, I'm glad it's. I don't want to use the word just. Uh, on one hand, I'm glad that it's a hamstring. On on the other hand, it's a hamstring. Uh, and those those can be tricky, right? Um, they can be tough to, to to get over. And we saw us bring you know Josh Jacobs along slowly on offense when he had a hamstring, and you know we saw him us bring him along slowly in the season, and he experienced that in the preseason. And so you know not every hamstring's the same, and so Minkus could be not as bad. Uh, so there's all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, you know I saw where Coach thought. That he might 
you know, practice, start to practice early in the week, uh, you know, midweekish, and so that that'll tell you something. So it'll, it, you know, this could be, this could net out to be, you know, there's a gamut here, right? This could net out to be nothing. This could net out to bug him for, you know, through the SEC championship, and you know, for us to get through that, for Alabama to get through that in the fashion that we want, we're going to need him to be healthy and ready to go. And so, you know, what I'm saying is we need him or this doesn't happen the way we want it to. No, absolutely. And apparently in practice today, you know, in the, in the media observation period, Tony Brown was struggling with a hamstring as well. Mm -hmm. And so now, now you've got his backup who's having, you know, hamstring issues as well, which is why you saw Carter out there at the end of the ball game. Yeah, definitely shy Carter out there. I'll tell you this, and um, and I did a double take, and uh, I did probably a triple take, and I called it out um, in the stadium, and I had one person try to correct me, and I had another person, you know, tell me that they had not noticed, and so I started second guessing myself, and I would look and look and look, and every time, I was right, but in in uh, in dime uh, in dime we brought in uh, freshman Daniel Wright in uh, in Minka's position. And I thought that was interesting. I would not have expected – I would not have expected him to come in. Uh, I would have said Xavier McKinney. I would have said Deontay Thompson. Uh, I would have said a couple of names before I got to Daniel Wright. But uh, when I saw number three in there, I was like, wait a minute. That was a shocker to me. I don't think he really registered, you know, anything. But the fact that he was in there, I was, I was impressed. Uh, yeah, but that tells you something about – the situation at cornerback, right? Yes. And I mean that shouldn't surprise you when you've got a when you've got Levi Wallace as a you know former walk on who's you know won a starting job. Yep. What I mean by that is 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 that there's open competition behind the starting guys at the cornerback position, right? And so right now, if you've got a Tony Brown and a Minka who are banged up with the same injury that is, you know, touch and go. I'm going to tell you as a little wrinkle is that um, I think we might see, I think we might see Ronnie Harrison move down to the star position if need be on a situation by situation basis in certain, in certain looks. No, I think that's fair. And, and, you know, moving him closer to the line of scrimmage, you know, he's, he is sort of a thumper. So I think that, you know, that bodes well, you know, he plays that over the top safety, really well and so it and and this is something we've sort of broken down before right where where is if you if you take sort of the, <clears throat> the backup dbs where's the next best one and what position positions can he play and so you know are we better off do we have a do we have a stronger backup free safety that allows us to move harrison down or do we have a stronger you know, player at, at, at more of a strong safety. And so we, we maneuver, you know, that kind of way. I think we'll, be, we'll see shifting. And, and it's, it's more obvious, you know, to like, the, you know, the average fan that sort of tries to keep up. It's more obvious if you think about offensive line, right? We have to bring in another, you know, left tackle. And so we're probably going to do that by moving over the right tackle, maybe kicking out a guard and then bringing in, you know, the next best lineman's a guard, you know, that kind of thing. And, and you can sort of see it, right, because they're all lined up. In the secondary, it's much more fluid. It's harder to, to see. 
But uh, I think I think what we get may be a function of where the next best talent is, and it may it may be, and you may be spot on. It may be you know Harrison sliding down, and then you know a McKinley or um, you know a Deontay or you know something like that. It, it, that that may be quite interesting to see how that unfolds. But uh, isn't it kind of interesting? You know, and we've talked about the secondary and replacing all the secondary. Isn't it kind of interesting that? Um, you know, Shy Carter, you think about, you know, the glimpse into the future. Shy Carter and Daniel Wright, you know, looks like maybe they got uh, a head start on some opportunity there. No, absolutely. But on the on the play by Ronnie Harrison, and this just speaks to to his value to this team, when he made that interception in this game, he was lined up against LSU's, you know, start and tailback. I mean, he he was lined up in the slot against him. And I and I think Etling went to him because he said, "This is my matchup. Right. I've got slow safety against my my starting tailback here, and that's I mean, why you know he that went, that's, and that's why he went there, dude. And 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 the athleticism of Ronnie to pick it off is why I'm saying I think you might see that because he was right. he was lined up against Geis in that situation because Mika was currently out of the game. Right. You know what that tells me? What that tells me. The LSU folks are not listening to our podcast because that is the third time that that we have called out this season, and it goes back to the AM game. It's the third time we've talked about a team trying to pick on the matchup between sort of one of their better offensive players getting matched up against Ronnie Harrison. Sure, and they have and they've been burned, um, you know, one way or the other, incomplete pass or here's a pickoff. Uh, they've been burned for attempting that. Well, think uh, to about the, this, to the man. Point that, to the point just that get, his draft stock has to be going nuts, right? Oh, sure. But think about this. I mean, I mean, on that play, Mika's out of the game, right? And I wish I was a fly on the wall to know were they were they yelling to him in his helmet, the coordinator saying, "This is your matchup," right? I right. Mean, like, did they know? Did they screw up too, or did, or was he the only one that screwed up? Because when he made that pick, when he made that pick. I turned to people around me and I said, that cat, that interception right there just made him an extra quarter of a million dollars on draft day because a lot of scouts are going to be showing that little clip right there yep. in prime time against a team like this. This is going to be running around the scout room for several NFL teams. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We And you know what? We could almost splice that film together, right? Because we have talked about it on the show, those exact moments. And 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 I'm glad we're kind of parking on him because as soon as you mentioned him, I was like, damn, he must be the most underrated player on the defense for 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 the top end things that he's done. Not just, you know, a solid, you know, sort of contributor, but he has done top end things, like top shelf performances. And and he can't he can't hardly get a mention. And uh so I'm glad we're parking on him because damn, he is so good. And and I think that he does, you know, give us some versatility. Uh, and 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 I'm hoping Minka comes back, and I'm hoping we don't have to upset the apple cart too much. But I think he gives us some some versatility because I think he can play a couple of different positions. And his skill set has is has really been proven, you know, because even that interception was a very physical play. I mean, he just went in and just wrestled the ball away from the guy. There was no opportunity is this a split possession sort of thing i mean he said my ball and um that was impressive 
No, absolutely. And, you know, another guy, we've mentioned him already on this side of the ball, but I do want to park on him for a second as well, is Rashawn Evans. Uh, for him to, to lead the team in tackles with 14 tackles um, with an injury and getting taped up on the field and, you know, basically playing the whole game and, and not coming out. And yep. he knew his team needed him with Sean Dion Hamilton out. And so just the leadership that I can't give him a mini game ball because he's not mini game ball worthy. And so, you know, he sees another fifth-year senior go down and he's like, I got to step up here, and and he did. And um, it was huge in this football game. And for a little bit, isn't that the name of his game? Because he stepped in last year when, uh, you know, Eddie Jackson went down and we had to do some shuffling. Uh, You know, he really saw a lot more playing time last year in that situation. And so, um, you know, and he's seen more playing time this year, but he's going to see a bump of it, uh, a bump, as long as 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 Minka's out or, you know, there's some question mark there. So, in that kind of a, a little bit ironic that that um, he's he has been one of the primary beneficiaries. No, absolutely, and I I just I wanted to I wanted to just mention you know his performance because his performance was huge, um, you know to be able to to step in and 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 make the plays that he made in this football game. Right. Another guy I want to mention real quick uh, is Raquan Davis. You know, I was shocked when, you know, I knew he had made a lot of plays in the game. I didn't realize he had made 11 tackles on the game, Uh, you know, uh, 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 contributed for 11 tackles along with his sack. And uh, this is a guy that, you know, is getting better each week as well. And to step up with an opponent like this uh, and put up those stats, you know, was huge. Yeah, you know, this is not the opponent you expect someone to necessarily have a breakout day. And, uh, you know, he's been he's been putting together a good season just up and down, you know, sort of the, the roster. But but, uh, yeah, he had quite a number of quite a number of tackles uh, and then certainly a sack on Saturday. And that's good to see. And this goes back to our offensive, you know, our defensive line play that, uh, you know, we knew that we kind of had some names, but but, you know, he didn't play a lot last year. And so we knew that, you know, he's he makes the first one off the bus team. But we didn't know really what we had in the way of a player. Well, he's a player. <laughs> well, if you, if you, well, if you look at these stats, right. So, so going back to Rashawn Evans, you know, just, I mean, literally for him to, for him to have the game he had was huge with, you know, his comrade, Sean going down. Uh, but then if you look in the, in the, you know, obviously I mentioned his name again, cause he was first on the stat sheet. But then if you look at the top six names on the stat sheet at the beginning of the season, would you have thought that two of those six names was going to be Raquan Davis and Quinnen Williams? No, no. Those are two of the top six. No, I mean that's incredible, and it goes to what we're talking about: development on the D front, which is which is incredible. And we talk about guys that we know are going to be back next year, which that's fun too. Um, but uh, no, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that I would have. I, I don't think you could have given me the the defensive roster, and and I would have picked those two out. To, to hold that sort of stature in any game this year. And I think this just speaks to how many guys that we've gotten play in time that we've talked about for weeks now. Yes. I think this is coming to fruition right now. Yes. Yes. What else what else what else jumps out at you on on defense? You know, the you know, the guys that, that go unmentioned, Levi Wallace and and the Anthony Averett, I I thought they had, you know, good games, uh 
not a lot of stats necessarily, but but uh, I thought they had I thought they had pretty good games. All right, I have to ask you a quiz. Who do you who do they remind you of? Former player from the offensive side of the ball that was never flashy, but you could always count on him to get the job done, and he played right tackle. DD. Yeah, Drew Davis. Yes, they're the Drew Davis of the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, teams keep picking on them. They don't get anywhere with them. They're not flashy. They're not like saying, look at me, look at me, I'm great. They just come with their lunch pail and just go to work. Yeah. Which which makes them very uncorner-like, right? Because yes. they're not out there sort of running their mouth and look at me and, and all of that. And, hey, we enjoyed – like we really, really enjoyed, you know, Jay, uh, uh, Dre uh, Kirkpatrick, right? I mean, we really did. But – He's a different cat, right? Or these guys yes. are different cats. However you want to say it, right? Yes. You, you would not believe that they all play the same position. Correct. No, this is true. Well, did you get a chance to focus any on hand when he was in there? And just kind of what was your take before we go to many game balls? What was your take on on hand, you know, getting work back into the defense? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't focus on him necessarily a, a whole lot. Um, you know, he was in and out a lot. And so I just thought early on, you know, he's going to be on a snap count, and um, and 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 it, that seemed to be true, and and it seemed like we were running, you know, him and Quinnen in, and so I thought that was interesting that that uh, you know when we talk about Quinnen, not to not to talk about him when you ask about somebody else, but uh, it just I thought that was interesting that that seemed to be the players that uh, that we were rotating, but uh, no, I'm glad that we got him back. And uh, I kind of figured we would coming off the bye. And so it'll be good to see him get more and more reps. And uh, hopefully he just gets a fire lit under him, you know, this last stretch of the season. No, absolutely. So do you have a mini game ball? Yeah, I've already mentioned him. I'm, I'm going Daniel Wright. Uh, it's a guy that, you know, and, and I mean, they practice every day. And so his probably his sense of this is going to be different from mine. But, you know, shit, I have to think if, if, if you're a backup for Minka Fitzpatrick, that's an invitation, an invitation to, you know, nail your shoes to the bench, and uh, you know, so you do that, and you you might you you might be you know inclined to have the mindset that I am not going to get to play today, but he he seemed to come in, and I know it was only Dom package, and you know he is a true freshman, and so we're going to limit how we use him, but uh, the fact that we used him, I, I I you know hats off, I'm impressed. And we start thinking about you know guys next season that are gonna gonna fill roles. Then uh, he's got a taste of something, and so I hope that uh, I hope he savors that and uh, uses that to propel him forward. Well, you know, we only have a couple. Uh, you know, interestingly enough, we only have a few Florida boys on the roster, mm -hmm. and uh, you know how talent rich the state of Florida is, right? <clears throat> right. So, so he's a Florida boy. Well, would you be surprised? A little nugget. This will be my mini game ball. Side note: We have four Florida boys. Excuse me, five Florida boys on the team. Five. And so, surprisingly, you've got Daniel Wright, Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley, and then you've got your boy that you mentioned. Uh, excuse me. Uh, we've obviously mentioned Ronnie Harrison today, mm -hmm. and then you have Alex Leatherwood. Those are mm -hmm. our only homegrown Florida boys on this team. So uh, Daniel Wright comes from a talent-rich area, and uh, obviously there's a lot of things that, that they have seen in practice that we have not been able to see yet ourselves. 
for the, for them to bring him in, whatever the package is, for the right. first time in his career in the LSU game. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big stage to have to come in on. So I mean, you know, we didn't bring him in against Mercer. We brought him in against LSU. No, we were not easing him into it. So that's a we that's a that's a huge thing. No, um, no, uh, I, I do want to just we we talked about it earlier. Quentin Williams, I, I think this is just a, a big moment for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, in case Hand comes back more slowly, um, you know, him on this stage to be able to contribute like he did, like we talked about earlier, is is just really, what uh, you know, is really mini game ball worthy. Um, let, let, I have to let you have the, 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 uh, the stage here for special teams, uh, <laughs> because I have to let you lead off here. Uh, you, you, you gotta, you gotta talk to the listeners here, uh, about your boy JK. Well, I, I mean, this may be his single best performance, you know, for the Crimson Tide. I mean, he, he had eight points averaged over 51. Has he, has he ever had eight punts in a game? I mean, we have to go back and look, man, but is that a record for him? That may be, um, that may be. That's quite a. That's quite a number. Um, but uh, you know, he 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 didn't get tired doing it, right? He averaged over fifty-one, almost fifty-two uh, yards per punt. Really, a couple times helped uh, flip the field position, which is exactly what you want a punter to do. That's when a punter can become a weapon. Uh, he's not just sort of bailing you out of a hole, but he is. He he is really sort of driving the ball. And, uh, and and flipping the flipping the field, I think I, I think he was instrumental in in doing that, and uh, yeah, I think he had one of his best days uh, wearing crimson, and that was a joy to see. No, that was that was awesome, man, and and definitely this was a record for for this year. He he had last year he had two games where he had this kind of punts, and unfortunately it was against Washington, and he had eight, and then Clemson he had ten. Uh, but in those games, he averaged like 45 yards a punt. So yeah. to sit there and crank out 50, almost 52 yards average uh, <laughs> is freaking ridiculous. And um, and just the hang time. You know, Saban talked about it in his press conference, you know, just for the listeners. He talked about how they, they doubled the two gunners and they only had six guys inside and they were going to take the gunners away, which is a weapon for us on the coverage. And so J.K., you know, typically he averages three punts a game. And so here he is dropping back to punt eight times, and his gunners aren't there to kind of help him like they normally do. They really do a good job. Mm -hmm. And so he had to do it by himself because they had taken the gunners out of the play. And and, and he he did it himself by putting the ball up in the moon, you know, as far as hang time. Uh, and being able to to give the rest of the you know, the rest of the special teams guys time to get down there by just just the pure uh, force of of how he does things, and so yeah. that's just awesome. That just that just that that right there uh, made him some money. Yeah, I think so. Right? I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, I, you know you're going to look at uh, you're going to look at this guy as is really being able to do something for you, uh, you know, at the next level. What do you think about, um, you know, what do you think about Xavier Marks returning punts all day long? He was in there from the start. Um, I, I was going to look. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. I, I thought yeah. there'd be a little uh, – you know, he only got three opportunities to to field them. I thought it would be more of a by-committee thing. It makes you wonder if Saban has said – this is yours to to take, and if you can step in there and just show me you can 
safely field the ball, then then you'll be the guy. It seems like he just wants somebody to do it and, and just wants to be done with it. It feels like decision made, right? Well, I mean, we're I not think, an experiment that I'm not, you know, I'm not going to burn any more brain power on this decision made. Don't yes. Drop. Yes. Except when Mark's got his number called because the other two made myths, you know, he bought, he had a fumble. Yep. And so I thought it was still by committee because even when Mark's got his number again, you know, he had a, you know, he fumbled the ball as well. Yeah. So I was surprised that he's the only guy that got an opportunity. Unfortunately, you know, you know, we got spoiled last year when Eddie got back there and, and we saw what, you know, Eddie could do to a football game. And so right now, if Marks is the guy, um, you know, um, we're not flipping the field with our punt return coverage, okay, or, or, or with our punt returns. I'll say it that way. And so – and maybe Saban doesn't care. Maybe Saban just wants the ball and just hold on to the ball and, and let's just give it to the offense and let's take it from there. Well, you know, the first priority I think is 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 let's definitely hold the ball. I wonder, and and I, you know, I contradict myself here a little bit, but you know, we talked about playing sort of with a shorter bench, and so I wonder if if we didn't say, look, we're putting our most experienced punt returner in there, and his upside is is not what the other guys is in terms of returning, but right now we need to possess the ball. And we need to do that more important than anything else. So and that's all we care about. Our most experienced guy, and then, and and there were some tight quarters in which you know he caught he caught the ball, and so you wonder if uh, you wonder if that wasn't the decision, and then we'll kind of see what what happens. I I, can, I guess I can make a case either way, uh, but it does feel like another guy who won the bye week, right? Well, now that's a good point. It, it's very possible that the open competition occurred during the bye week, and we'll never know anything about that. Right. That is very possible. Right. Well, what else, what else jumps out at you on on special teams? Because because uh, because there was such a good performance by J.K., it made it it made it kind of boring for a lot of the other guys to to do a lot of things. What what else jumped out at you? You know, I, I I saw a couple things, and, and we're just talking about Xavier and the punt return, so I'll, I'll kind of stick there. We had um, – I want to say it was Tony Brown. I, I, I had to go back and look at the film. It may have been someone else, but I want to say it was Tony Brown. But on on punt returns, you know, he would kind of line up over, over the middle, and then just before the snap, he would peel off and start backpedaling, backpedaling, uh, you know, sort of aggressively going backwards – and then what he and then he would sort of line up ahead of the punter in the middle of the field, and he would just pick off the first guy that came through. He would he was like a designated sniper that uh, that he was just going to peel off and pick off the first guy that came through. Um, and I thought that was that was an interesting thing. I don't know that I've seen us do that before, and that really stood out. Uh, that really stood out to me. And and then to your point, you talked about the doubling of the gunners and, and taking them away. You know, you spotted that a, a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I had a note on that. It seemed LSU pretty aggressively was doing that to the point that I thought at least once they could have been called for holding. Um, Cause our guy, you know, didn't get 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, you know, for the duration of the play. But, um, <clears throat> and then, you know, we're talking about special teams. I, I mean, you got to talk about, 
you know, Andy Papanastos, you know, he had a 40 yarder. Although that was an important kick, and we've talked about that that three point before, but you know that that drive um, and that kick, I thought that was an important kick. And that so, they let, but but also that it, that they let him take it, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it was it was interesting because you know that's in that that's for the second week in a row that's in the range that that before you were letting J.K. do it. Early in the season, we would not have let him, you know, kick a forty yarder. And then, you know, and there were times when we were talking about, you know, and not to sort of disparage ourselves, but there were times earlier in the season where we were talking about any kick he makes is a good kick. And then, you know, he would make a kick and it'd be like a 22 yarder. And, and, you know, we might say, yeah, but it's only just 22 yards. Wouldn't it feel better if it were a little longer? And, you know, every little granular, you know, granule of confidence that he could accrue was was a, was a good thing and then here now he, he looks like he's got a a bushel of of confidence here because he went out and nailed that 40 yarder and um I, I i like where his head is now versus you know maybe in camp and early season well and not only did he nail it i mean it was right down the middle i mean yeah it, i mean it, i mean i guess that's the same as nailing it but like there were there was no doubt when he kicked it that it, right. that, it, that, it that it was going through and he's 45 of 45 on extra points yep uh, and now he's a respectable 14 out of 17 on field goals and um you know good job for Saban because this guy you know this guy missed two from 40 to 49 yards out in the Florida State game and um you know, he's only missed one the rest of the season since that first, you know, football game. Right. And so Saban's doing something right with that. So that's yeah, that's awesome. No, I think that is good. I think that is good. So Mississippi State up next. What do you think about that? You know, this team, I don't want to say they scare me because I, I do think we're going to win. Uh, but I definitely think that, you know, the, the schedule is obviously getting tougher and, and this is a um, this is a this is a, a that's a tough matchup. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a team that play has played very well. Uh, you know, obviously seven and two, but you know their their quarterback. You know, Nick Fitzgerald has has the uh, he's not a Cam Newton, but he has uh, a very effective uh, use of of being able to to run the ball. You know, uh, big kid um, is able to you know has the dual threat. Uh, what really, what really is going to be, I think, tough for for us to match up to is how you know just how they use their receivers. I mean, they they've lost a, they've lost two or three receivers to injury, uh, but they have been able to uh, work other guys in predominantly their running backs and their tight ends uh, into the passing game, and they've got a couple of tight ends that are some big boys. Yeah. And um, that that I think are very uh, mobile and are able to play in the slot, able to create you know mismatch problems. Mississippi State's always been a physical team, and um, you know Dan Mullen is a great coach. And uh, this is not going to be a cakewalk, man. This is going to be a tough game. No, it's it it really is, and and it's a cliche to say this team always plays us tough, but Mississippi State is one of those teams that 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 you know, that always, always plays us tough. I remember, and I've probably told this story on, on, you know, the podcast before, but I, but I remember, and, you know, I date myself a little bit, but I remember, you know, in graduate school, 
my first year of graduate school was was awesome. I had had Dabo Sweeney in class, and uh, Will uh, Will or Will uh, Willard Sisson Sisson uh, was was in the class, and that was, that was just awesome. But uh, but that season we were playing, um, you know, we played Mississippi State in in Starkville, and we were having a pretty good season. And, and Will and I would would talk ball a little bit. And I was like, yeah, but it's you know it's Mississippi State. You know, we always do pretty well against them. And he looked at me, and he had the most dead serious face. Um, and he goes, no, man, Mississippi State always plays us tough. They are a very, very tough team. And I remember um, I remember we just barely got out of that game. Uh, and it was Dennis Riddle scoring, you know, as a you know, true freshman. Uh, and we barely got out of that game. And so, you know, you never look past LSU, but, you know, it, as fans, sometimes we have the unique opportunity to do that. And what I wrote down in my notes, you know, about Mississippi State is, you know, this is a tough game coming off a tough game. And so we, we've talked about injuries on defense. We've talked about, you know, what, you know, what can we do and, uh, and how are we going to kind of combat this? And we got to figure it out quickly because it's not like, well, we got Fresno and Colorado State. We've got time to figure it out. The, you know, these guys are kind of up and down. But guess what? They're going to be up this week. And we're going to get all that they've got. And, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, we've asked the question, how would you try to attack Alabama? Well, I, I tell you, one of the things I do and is, is exactly what you said is I'd, I'd saddle up those two tight ends and I would pound the middle of our defense uh, in, you know, sort of short passing games. And, uh, and, and, you know, let's put some big bodies out there that are going to be tough to tackle and see if this, this defense can sort of stand up to it. Now, we think that we can, and we think that we can get to the quarterback, and I like our team better than theirs, but I'm just saying, what else they got to play for, right? They can lay it on the line and uh, and go out and be as, as physical as they absolutely can, and I expect that's what we're going to see on Saturday. You know, I agree with you from a tight end standpoint. You know, in this last weekend's game, one of their tight ends, you know, is a junior college transfer, Jordan Thomas. You know, I had to I had to go and look at the stat sheet to make sure this was right. But, you know, because the TV was saying he was six foot five, 284 pounds. Well, I don't know how this guy started at East Central Community College, but this guy was given the the DBs in the slot all they wanted. And he he just he was catching every ball that was thrown to him. And he was a mismatch for them big time. And so I, I think there's going to be a heavy dose with our uh, inside linebacker injuries. I think there's going to be a heavy dose of of these tight ends between the hashes uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I, I I agree. What kind of score? What kind of score are you looking for? You know, I think this one's going to be. I think this one's going to be very close, man. I, I think this is going to be something like a. I think this is going to be something like a twenty seven ten ball game, and and I think it's going to feel a lot closer uh, for most of the game. And I think it's only at the end of the game that that we're going to be able to put this thing away. Okay. We're on the same page. I wrote down 24 to 10, uh, and I know that's the same score that we had against LSU, but I just started thinking about it, and I was like, man, we're going to replicate this score. We're going to get 24 to 10 two weeks in a row. Um, and I, to your point, I never felt that the LSU game was was in jeopardy. We jumped out on them, and uh, I, I thought that we've, we've put a bar out too high. Uh, but I think this game, and you said it a little differently than, than I'm saying it, but I think it's closer for longer. And it feels not that we are going to believe that we're going to lose to Mississippi State, but it's going to feel uncomfortably close 
Like this could go the other way. It's going to feel that way for longer. And then I think sort of the depth um, pays off later in the game. No, I'm with you there. I think I think this is this this game is is definitely going to keep people on the edge of their seats for a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine I, I imagine I will be mad at my television before it's over. <laughs> well, the uh, well definitely uh, definitely enjoyed this. Anything else you, that we need to wrap up here today? Yeah, I want to hit uh, we uh, sort of that ego and uh, uh, you know self indulgent <laughs> sort of ego section that we like to do. We got one review, but I'll hit three things like really, really quickly. We had a guy leave us a review a couple of weeks ago, uh, Doug from Sweden, and he dropped us an email and, and he had an idea that uh, I thought was a good idea. We've kind of toyed with it, but, you know, soliciting questions from the listeners. And uh, so absolutely, if you guys have a question, you know, drop us an email, Alabama football podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll take a look at those. We've uh, talked about questions in the podcast we've addressed them there before uh we've sort of written mailbag articles on the website and we'll do that but uh yeah if you have any questions you know drop us uh drop us some questions and uh we'll see if we can't take a look at uh at answering those so uh so that was uh so that's one thing i wanted to talk about i wanted to uh you know we've we've been i would i'll kind of tell myself a little bit we've been doing you know the itunes for a little bit and listener reviews and stuff and it was just over a couple of weeks ago after the after the Tennessee uh, podcast that I recognized there was a difference between just people leaving ratings versus reviews because I was watching the count of the ratings go up, but but the, we weren't getting more reviews, and I was like, well, that's weird. I don't understand it. But they're, <laughs> duh, they're actually two different things. So uh, so you know, leave us a rating. We love those, and then leave us leave us a review as well. Because we like to, uh, you know, share those back uh, to the group, and so that's a sort of a long way of uh, introducing uh, a review that we have by uh, Ross uh, Gaskin, and he says uh, I wanted something that gave me uh, more in-depth analysis of Alabama football, and I couldn't have found a better podcast for it. They both really know their stuff and have great insights. It's made the games more fun to watch, especially in garbage time is I know more things to look for, definitely recommend to any Alabama or college football fan. And Tommy, that's awesome because that's that's what – I mean, the way the way he sort of wrote that out, is like, man, that's what we're going for. <laughs> that's why we started this. That's why we do what we do. Right. Because of that right there. So that's yeah. awesome. And so, yeah, like, like I didn't write that review, but that's what I would want to write. That's what yes. I would want to see someone say. Because yes. you're right. This is why we started started looking, you know, doing this sort of – peeling back from the headline stuff and, and uh, what's, what's that sort of deeper level stuff. So um, like, you know, and I say this every time, Oh, I especially enjoy this one. I especially enjoy all of them. And yes. certainly, certainly reading this one was a lot of fun because uh, it, it sort of personifies to your point. This is why we're here. This is, this is why, you know, you and I are still talking football after all these years. No guys, we very much, you know, we, we, uh, we appreciate the feedback. Uh, please share with us what you, you know, what you like, if there's anything that we need to improve upon, tell us about that as well. And, uh, we, we, we want to hear your feedback so we can improve the show 
and uh, so we can get the message out to, to other people to, to find us as well. Absolutely. Well, hey, get out there on iTunes and leave us a rating, leave us a review, drop us an email with questions or, you know, like, like Tommy said, just any sort of comments that you have for us. And uh, we greatly appreciate it. We enjoy engaging with you folks as, as, uh, as best as we can. But uh, at this point, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.